You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. WikiLeaks dumps documents attributed to the Imperial Project. Russian catfish are said to have nibbled at French President Macron's campaign. North Korea mines Bitcoin. Malware warnings include a banking trojan and two malicious Android apps. NotPetya's effect on TNT is said to have hit small businesses hard. MedSec has no regrets and said it would short St. Jude again. The Pony Awards have been given at Black Hat. Cisco's Edna Conway guides us through third-party risk. And the Shadow Brokers are back. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Friday, July 28, 2017. WikiLeaks dumped another round of alleged CIA hacking documents from Vault 7 late yesterday. They described three tools, Achilles, which backdoors Mac OS X disk images, CP, a stealthy Mac OS rootkit, and Eris, a Linux implant. WikiLeaks says the tools are associated with an agency project called Imperial, We heard yesterday about Mia Ash, a catfish used by Iranian intelligence and security services to socially engineer targets in the oil and gas industry. Today, there are reports of other fictitious persona used in espionage. Investigators say that Russian intelligence services sought to spy on French elections by posing as Facebook friends of successful presidential candidate Emmanuel Macron. Facebook, which has briefed U.S. congressional investigators, says it noticed about two dozen bogus identities posing as friends of friends of Emmanuel Macron. The goal was intelligence development. The agency believed responsible was Russia's GRU, also known as Fancy Bear. Russia has consistently denied attempting to influence the French elections. North Korea is reported to have undertaken a large-scale Bitcoin mining operation, This is consistent with the DPRK's exploitation of the Internet for whatever financial gain it offers. In this case, at least, Bitcoin mining is no crime, but Pyongyang has been connected to online crime in the past, most prominently through the Lazarus Group. In malware news, Flashpoint warns that Nikors is now delivering the TrickBot banking trojan. And Sophos warns of two SMS-stealing malicious apps in the Play Store. Both are by New.App. One represents itself as an app store shortcut, the other as skincare magazine. As always, choose your apps with care. NotPetya continues to have a ripple effect on business. Small enterprises are said to be particularly affected by service disruptions the campaign inflicted on FedEx subsidiary TNT. In industry news, Perimeter X raised $23 million in a Series B round and Raytheon says not to expect a force-point initial public offering. Raytheon asserts that it's in the cybersecurity business for the long haul and has no intention of moving on from force-point. More calls for special prosecutors are heard in the U.S. 
this time from the Republican side of Congress, asking for investigation of security breaches by the FBI and former Secretary of State Clinton. Now we'll take a quick look back at the week in Vegas, where Black Hat, DEFCON, and B-Sides all convened, giving the cyber shivers even to the hard-boiled denizens of Sin City. At the conference, MedSec CEO Justine Bone spoke and was unrepentant in her advocacy of vulnerability research-driven stock shorting as a legitimate business model for security companies. Bone's company was involved in shorting St. Jude medical stock when MedSec gained knowledge of an undisclosed vulnerability in St. Jude products. The incident was controversial at the time. Many thought MedSec was ghoulishly trifling with people's health. Bone sees it as a legitimate short and says she'd do it again. The Pony Awards were passed out at Black Hat, recognizing the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here's a quick rundown of some of the major honors. Best server-side bug went to the Equation Group, honored for CVE 2017 0143, 0144, and 0145. The best client-side bug, the independent parallel discoverers of CVE 2017-0199, which was a Microsoft OLE export. The best privilege escalation bug, the many who worked on Drammer, the Rowhammer attack on mobile platforms. Best cryptographic attack, researchers at Google and CWI for breaking SHA-1. The best backdoor, the envelope please, and the pony went to MEDOC, the Ukrainian accounting software at the bottom of NotPetya. For best branding, Atlassian took the honors here for branding and in the opinion of the judges overhyping the ghost butt vulnerability. The award for most epic fail was a squeaker, but the honors finally went to Australia's Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, who's picked up the fallen backdoor dead-end banner from former U.S. FBI Director Comey. When asked whether the laws of mathematics would make proposed crypto restrictions unfeasible, Prime Minister Turnbull is said to have replied, Well, the laws of Australia prevail in Australia, I can assure you of that. The laws of mathematics are very commendable, but the only law that applies in Australia is the law of Australia. Mr. Turnbull nosed out The Intercept, nominated for the way they inadvertently exposed a source, an essay leaker reality winner. Brutal Kangaroo was unavailable for comment, mates. Epic Ownage was a shared award going to both WannaCry, tentatively credited as North Korea, and the Shadow Brokers, unambiguously credited as Russia. Straight up, Russia. The Shadow Brokers resurfaced yesterday, as if on cue, saying that they'd sent their exploits of the month to subscribers and that they were raising their prices. Membership in their club will now set you back 500 ZEC in the Zcash cryptocurrency the Shadow Brokers prefer, which comes to about $88,400 in U.S. greenbacks. Details of what they're releasing as we speak are not yet public, being known to the Shadow Brokers and whatever subscribers or hostile attackers the Shadow Brokers may have attracted. The Brokers might have raised their prices, but they haven't budged from their stylish diction, although we do detect a trace of Borat in this week's communique. Hello the peoples! July is being good month for the Shadow Brokers' monthly data dump service. Make great benefit to the Shadow Brokers, they say. They go on, solicitous as always, of their customers. If you making subscription payment in July, do not be worrying. TSB got your payment. TSB no longer sending confirmation emails. If you not yet making subscription payment is still being days left in July, do not be missing out. So hop to it, peoples. Or don't. 
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Justin Harvey. He's the Global Incident Response Leader at Accenture. Justin, welcome back. Um, you know, we've had these recent WannaCry attacks and the Petya Not Petya attack, and uh, one of the components of these is this notion of auto-propagating malware. Uh, bring us up to date here. Is this uh, something new, or has this uh, been around for a while? It's been around for a while. The The auto-propagation aspects of these uh, new versions of malware are really taking advantage of organizations because they're just simply not equipped to handle something that spreads like wildfire. For the last decade, I feel like companies have been focusing on on preventing intellectual property theft and preventing uh, data leaving. And with targeted attacks and adversaries, they're going from machine to machine to machine in a straight line. And this new, these new versions of malware, both destructive and ransomware, are uh, taking advantage of some of the latest vulnerabilities that have been released through shadow brokers and, and shotgunning or uh, scanning multiple networks and then utilizing credentials and or these vulnerabilities to uh, to tree out through organizations. I find that uh, companies are really ill-equipped to prevent that because they have a soft inside. They they build up these really high walls. They put in the necessary preventative controls to stop the, the majority of attacks. But uh, when these attacks are actually getting a foothold, they are causing a lot of damage because um, – Networks are not being segmented. They're not, there's not a lot of uh, preventative controls that would normally be found in the perimeter that are being used inside the enterprise. So with this sort of serving as a wake-up call, what kind of recommendations do you have for people to better protect themselves against it? Well, I, I think it falls into uh, a few areas. The first is to adopt uh, proactive preventative controls within the enterprise. Uh, I This could be a controversial statement, but uh, 
uh, I believe in more network segmentation, even across what we would call client networks. So you plug in your laptop into into the company Wi-Fi, or you plug it into the wall through an Ethernet. To date, companies have said we need networks to to talk to each other to utilize file sharing and things like that inside the enterprise. But what we're also seeing is that the latest, these latest versions of ransomware and destructive malware are uh, taking advantage of that same sort of features and functionality for productivity. Uh, unfortunately, I think that uh, companies need to start adopting more firewalling and intrusion detection and prevention between these client networks. Another couple uh, areas that uh, companies can do keeping up with the latest threats as they're going across uh, social media, so using what we in the industry call open source threat intelligence. So uh, when these start to hit the wire, you know about it faster than everyone else. And those precious hours could really uh, catapult or help better prepare your enterprise. And, And the last thing that I would want to mention is we are spending more time with our clients instead of doing incident response planning, creating incident response plans, we've pivoted to creating crisis management plans. So in the event of a cyber attack, what can these organizations do quicker and uh, more efficiently when there's a large cyber attack? So can they shut down their networks faster? Can they can they get the word out to their employees not to connect them to the network? Uh, do they have out-of-band communication because voice over IP is down uh, and so on? All right. Good advice as always. Justin Harvey, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. My guest today is Edna Conway. She's the chief security officer of the global value chain at Cisco. She joins us to share her thoughts on third-party risk, effective ways to approach and handle it, and what the security community needs to do in the future to do a better job of protecting ourselves and our customers. For me, I think what we focus on as the the critical third-party security risks are thinking comprehensively. So think about physical security, logical or operational security, Dave, and then security technology. And if you start to think comprehensively, it gets you to a great place. And that great place says, I need to worry about three or four fundamental risks or threats. I need to worry about tainted 
solutions or services, counterfeit solutions or services, the misuse of intellectual property could also cause harm. And then finally, I need to worry about the information security breach that may occur at that third party's site or technology that may have an impact on me. So all of a sudden you can start to parse it down these four paths. Is it accurate to say that for a lot of people when it comes to third party risk, it's that a big part of it is the fear of the unknown unknown. You know, they, they don't have control necessarily of what's going on with those third parties. I think it's a great observation. Uh, I think the first step, to be honest with you, is the first unknown is figure out who the key players are in your third party ecosystem and understand what they deliver. Are you going to know to the nth degree? Probably not. But starting with an understanding of who the key players are is the first step. So I think once you figure out who you're playing with in your sandbox and who that we is, the next step really is um, to develop what I like to call a flexible security architecture. And what you can do is really start to then identify what your key areas of concern are. Um, we've identified what I call 11 domains of security. Um, and not everything actually applies to everyone. But as you begin to think about your domain areas and connect them, with the third party ecosystem and what they do for you. All of a sudden what becomes apparent is certain things apply to certain third parties depending on the nature of the product or service that they afford to you, how they interact with you. So that architecture really becomes the foundation of getting your arms around that ecosystem and understanding more deeply what's going on, but doing it in an operationally efficient way. As you look towards the future, uh, look towards the horizon, what kinds of things do you ha do you think have to change in order for people to do a better job with this? I think we need to converge on a couple of international standards, uh, to be quite frank. We're still seeing a proliferation of standards, Dave, that uh, <laughs> in all honesty, sometimes are very thinly veiled trade barriers cloaked under the title of security. But the reality is we are going to be and we are well on our way to being one connected world. We've seen that recently with just with uh, WannaCry and Netia. The reality of that means how can we narrow down to a feasible set of items in a standard that the world adheres to and try and lift off some of the geographic variation to the optimum extent possible so that we can align in a better way. So that's a public-private partnership challenge, number one. Number two, some of the things that we can do are just basic, right? I mean, the future is, is going to be that ransomware is going to continue to proliferate. Uh, I think that's, that's pretty clear to us. Um, remember, we have different types of threat actors, right? And those who are motivated economically are going to continue to target those from whom they can maximize their economic return. So understanding that you are under attack at all times and making sure you don't have weak backup practices, that you are not updating uh, readily. And more importantly, understanding that you need one unified, simplified architecture so that you don't have some of the problems with what is often referred to as best of breed in multiple vendors. Sometimes simplification actually equals a higher degree of fidelity. 
participate. Um, so those are the three areas that I would say I would look to for the future in terms of that question that you asked. But mostly, I think I want to finish with one last thought, Dave. Yeah. Automation. So where we can automate, and, and you and I were chatting before we began about the, the wonders of artificial intelligence and its ramifications on, on our security and, and mankind in general, right? Um, the reality of automation is it can catch certain things to the extent we can begin to add the human factor into the way in which we approach security, which is new, add the human element, expand on that. All of this technology and all of our security efforts exist to serve us because these devices and this communication is human communication. I think that will be a new way for us to embed the human factor into secure development life cycles. We have plenty of international standards and SDL models out there. I'm not sure we've really embraced the human element yet, sitting side by side with automation. Our thanks to Edna Conway for joining us. She's the Chief Security Officer of the Global Value Chain at Cisco. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.